Southwest 8504. Hello, and welcome to Teller RC. This is episode 15, titled Bob Harris Interview. This is uh, Robert Monty, and with me I have uh, Michael Shaggy Parker. Oh, my God. Shut up, Mike. It's my turn to talk. <laughs> and Mike, uh, I had a great dinner and dished you guys to Paulo. <laughs> yeah, that might have happened. Mexico <laughs> joint might have taken a lot longer than it was supposed to. Oh, 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 come on. So you ditched us to go to dinner with Digger? Oh no, he's not here. We've been we've spent the entire day doing nothing but burn him up over all the stuff he's missing and how Steve's got a warbird now and Digger can't stand it, so he went and bought one and it's probably gonna get smashed. And then we went and got the uh, the deep fried jalapenos that Digger loves, and we were sending him pictures the whole time that that he wasn't having them. Oh, he's all sorts of worked up. You're sending him pictures of what Digger loves? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Did you send him pictures of asphalt? Yes. <laughs> His name's Digger. <laughs> Fried jalapenos and asphalt. Yes. It's all that is, is, it's an Afro, fried asphalt is an aphrodisiac to that man. Yeah. I bet he walks into the room to say hi to Lynn and he's got like a pot of boiling tar. <laughs> <laughs> what was, uh, yeah, I went to going away party. One of my coworkers got a new job and he's leaving the area. And uh, he got some really spicy chocolate Uh-oh. from Amazon. Uh-oh. They listed it as being uh, 9 million Scoville as the oh. ingredient. Dude, that's pretty good. Yeah. A bunch of folks tried at the table, and every one of them was like, oh, God, that's awful. He's sitting there with a smirk on his face, I'm sure. Oh, he put – everyone just ate one little bite, which is smaller than a dime. And um, he, just he put down. four of them on his tongue at once. Oh, let gosh. them melt on his tongue. He doesn't even care, I'm sure. Oh, dude, he was sweating. <laughs> they were all sweating. The, the person who didn't care was uh, uh, one of the ladies on our team by the name of Truck. She was eating them consecutively afterwards. Nope. Nope. I'd be dead. Yeah, I dodged it. I reminded them last time I did a spicy food challenge, I vomited, swallowed it back down, and oh. went and composed myself. Nice. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Taylor Roberts, a real man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't want to get my clothes dirty or vomit on the table at work. It was in the conference room. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Hate to be the janitor on that shift. Uh, yeah. Uh. So, this episode, we went and did an interview with Bob Harris, and in a few moments, uh, you will hear us introduce him, and then the actual interview. But before that, I had a question I figured all of us should answer, and of course, this is after we've interviewed him. So, the question was, what each of us enjoyed in the interview, and how the story resonates with each of us personally. So, uh, who wants to go first on this question? Okay, I'm going to start volunteering, volunteering people. 
One, two, three, not it. Not it. Mike. I mean, usually the stories where he mentions all the different ways he's almost died are pretty good. But I think it, it, I don't know. Bob kind of reminds you of the crazy grandpa you wish you had that would hand out fireworks to the kids secretly at family get-togethers <laughs> and shows up in like a, a 70s Trans Am with the fire chicken on the front. I mean, every, every other story from him, he seems to almost find a way to get killed and doesn't. Uh-huh. <laughs> Rollerblading down a and then, cliff. And then you find out what he's done for his latest hobby. I, I cannot believe it. It's just Wow. Talk about the trains. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's in there. Freaking trains. Yeah. <laughs> I, to- I I straight up told this man, like, look, Bob, you're a madman, but this is probably the most old man crap I've ever heard you tell me. Short of moving <laughs> to Florida. You might as well just go down there and play shuffleboard if you're going to do model trains after doing model helicopters. Like, come on. Uh, well, to be honest, he been in model trains before. He did. I mean, I can't really bag on him too much. He can get about as wild as you can possibly be with a model that goes around in circles. So I'll go, I guess, next. Um, you know, Bob overall, kind of a motivator. Um, you know, as a 20-something-year-old guy back in the day, I didn't think... 30 years ahead of what I could be doing or what I should be doing. I remember in the Marine Corps, the rumor was for Marines who were retiring after 30 years, if they didn't keep busy after retirement, they'd drop dead in a year. And for a Marine, you figure if they join at 18, do 30, years, you're talking being what? Almost uh, 50, 48. 48 years old. Uh, 48 isn't old. No. Uh, so. You're not even. Really halfway. (laughs) (laughs) No. I'm coming up on 40 this year. And Bob, I mean, I met him at 74. He's flying turbine helis. He's flying nitro. Uh, I've watched him have an incident where a tail uh, tail servo failed on a helicopter. I watched him compose himself and auto it to the ground. Wow. At 74, this guy's throwing down a muscle memory. (laughs) Um, So it's... It's kind of cool to look ahead at what the possibilities are that, you know, life isn't over and, you know, do it. Keep busy. Have fun. Uh, right, we've seen the RC field, the difference between guys who just stop living life and then die yep. versus the guys who just stay active. I mean, look at Festus. We got to join all. This man stays up till four in the morning with us around the bonfire. <laughs> And it wakes us up at seven morning the next day, telling us we're going to get bed sores from staying in bed too long. <laughs> he was he, he was also at Urcha too. And, and, yeah, he flew was. At the Urcha. He did, no, I thought he drove. Oh, did he drive? I thought he flew. Oh Fest- no, that was the year he went with Casey. They flew. Yeah. Oh, they flew. Okay, yeah, it was twenty sixteen. Oh wait, Festus did go out. Yeah, yeah. Festus went with Casey to Urcha twenty sixteen. Oh, I didn't even know Festus 17? went. It's twenty seventeen. That's when he. That's when Casey won the trip okay, for twenty eighteen yeah. Las Vegas. That's right. It was seventeen. I didn't. Wow, I didn't even realize that Festus went yeah. with him. Damn, I completely skipped my mind. Wow. Well, there you go. How old is Festus now? <laughs> James Whalen. He's got to be oh sixty something. So. That's one item, you know, just, just watching and watching a guy who's having fun. He's not, a, he's not the grumpy old planker, but no. you'll hear from the interview. He's done 
planes a lot. At his age, planes were what was there. Um, the other thing that just resonates with me is how he's gotten involved in tons of parts of this hobby. Everything. Yeah. Uh, he's done control line, airplanes, helicopters. Free flight. Free flight, rubber powered flight. That was uh, the start. Second? That was the start. Yeah. Uh, he does machining. Uh, you know, that that is just getting involved in competition. He's been team manager, head judge. Um, he's, he's gotten involved in tons of areas. Um, but most of us, you know, most of us these days, if you've only been in this hobby 10 years or less, you probably don't know Bob. No. For those who who are in longer, they, 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 they met Bob. <laughs> I've probably seen him, but I, I don't remember him. I could have been too young at the time. Yeah. But no, he, he shows just how you can uh, put variables and cha- little changes and still just have a blast in this hobby. Glitches or without glitches? <laughs> how, <laughs> how many glitches is, is just fine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what got me is just the stuff they're dealing with with the old helis and the old radio systems. It's just like... Tom's like, hey, you've been be going along fine. All of a sudden, blah, 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 hell, he freaks the hell out. And yeah, look, it's back under control. Everything's <laughs> good. Like, and that was just, it was just the way it was. It freaked out once every 60 seconds. Yeah. You completely yeah. lost control when it was passed, and that was just acceptable. Yeah. So this interview, people are going to learn, listening to it, why at your field, all the old plankers might be absolutely terrified of your helicopter. <laughs> they have good reason. A lot of yes. it. Yes. Yes. It makes sense now. I mean... The new helis might be significantly better, and only now and then you've got some crazy man at your field that starts one up and takes chunks out of a picnic table. (laughs) (laughs) But that used to be a daily occurrence for them. Every single time they weekend, I feel that some crazy asshole with a helicopter comes out there and starts slinging wooden blades past their heads. Yeah. That's, uh... Yeah. So, I don't feel so bad now when I run into an old guy that's... No. Try to to explain it. It's like, they're a lot better now. I know what you've been through, man. (laughs) I feel bad. <laughs> they got PTSD. I don't. Yeah. Because those them. guys are still doing dumbass shit with planes. Yeah. And causing oh, me yeah. to have a new PTSD episode. All of them, the amount of times that our fields had airplane guys, well, super glue in their hands to their junk, what? reaching through propellers and getting all sl- Oh, yeah. Ask Casey about it if he ever had a chance. We had a guy here. <laughs> I almost glued my finger to my plane with 4070 and scared the hell out of me. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't not realize it had been a thin film that slipped past me, and I touched it, and it, I felt the stick, and I pulled quick because that stuff cures as fast as regular CA. Yeah. And then Casey's like, "Oh, I don't feel bad, Hoss. You could always go to the hospital." We had this one guy. Casey knows the dude's name, but he's like, "Yeah, you know, he had got, got uh, thick CA on his hand. The stuff doesn't cure real fast." Went to the bathroom and uh, glued himself to his unit. <laughs> Well, Justin Pucci never did that. No. He only, he only put his finger in his, his nose. nose. After he got CA in there, that was the first thing that came to his mind was stick it up in the nose. That's still pretty amazing. Got an itch. Maybe he <laughs> got an itch. Well, at, least he could, at least when he walked into ER, he could at least pass that off as a real good pick. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas this dude... Why your hand... Nice. Why is your hand down your pants? <laughs> 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 Oh, that would suck. Yeah, I, you know, I'm looking forward for us to actually visit Bob a few more times this year and perhaps fly at his house. Yeah, I mean, because from I mean, the interview will go into more detail, but uh, 
we all get old eventually and your friends drift out of the hobby and you know people start dying off and if you're the last man standing it's it's kind of boring and kills the fun you result to go into in trains yeah <laughs> you go to trains that's what happens all your friends leave the hobby or pass away so all you have left are trains <laughs> So, we're going to start visiting a little more often this summer. Yeah. Cheer him up a little bit. Cheer him up a little bit. Put a radio in his hands and be like, do it. Send it. Send it. We got we to bring him into the fold of modern helicopters where he's out there trying to fly and someone's going to be yelling, do it, you pussy. <laughs> Don't be a bitch. <laughs> I'll give him the radio. You know. You know him. He's going to wake up and he's going to be like, all right, fine. He's going to start smashing shit. <laughs> That's what you guys do, right? You smash it? Yeah, right? I thought you guys said everything goes home in a garbage bag. Oh, it's just like 74 again. Oh man, uh, he most he he had one of his scale models. He had the fuselage cracked and messed up decently after a crash years ago. But that model, the fuselage has been replaced, but the model's still in there. <laughs> yeah, Mike, you probably remember seeing it, but it's. I think he replaced the fuselage now. Was it the Black Airwolf or something no, else? No, no, it was the uh, it was a JR helicopter with a yellow and white fuselage. Oh, that one. Yeah, the fuselage yeah. is gone, but it's, he still has the heli, and he has it in a new fuselage. So I think Bob's the kind of old guy who could totally get behind the concept of hashtag send it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he might have proven that decades ago. Oh yeah, there's quite a few stories. Yeah. I still can't believe he flies his full scales underneath the power lines there. Oh, ultralights. <laughs> um, all right. So, your, your turn to answer the question, Jay. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so, one thing I've learned a lot from uh, Bob Harris is, uh, well, you know, like, like you mentioned, he's not one of those grumpy old planker guys that it's all warbirds or nothing. That's it. Warbirds or nothing. You don't fly a warbird, uh, then uh, get lost. Or your warbird isn't gasoline or nitro. It doesn't sound like a real, real plane. Get lost. But he's not like that. He's, I mean, he's well open to expl- uh, tell his story and tell his, uh, you know, what, what it was back then. He was in RC helicopters when it basically first started. And you don't really see a lot of people like that that are still, still early in the hobby, uh, that have been there from the beginning. So, Definitely, I definitely learned a lot from just just hearing him. Just hearing it was exciting. You know, my dad has been flying for a very long time, and my dad's been my uh, inspiration when it comes to flying planes and stuff like that. I started with him, and my dad's done control line, you know, free flight, and all that stuff since since just about almost as long as Bob has. But my dad's just been doing mostly the plane stuff, and uh, he never done helicopters. I I got into helicopters because my mom one mom told me to get into it. But, you know, to hear his side of, of the helicopters starting was just very interesting. I mean, you know, like when he talked about, like, you know, how many glitches is uh, too many glitches and stuff. That 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 right there was like, are you serious? And, and yeah, it makes sense. Why why people literally duck for cover and they wear hard hats <laughs> when, when a helicopter gets brought out there because it's literally going to eat itself within six seconds. If you're lucky. <laughs> if you're lucky. It's funny, he was talking about grounding a helicopter, and that was the 80s. 2019, and we still have helicopter grounding problems. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, this is a good interview. Yeah. I, um, I, enjoyed it. I don't really have a whole lot to add to it. I mean, it's, it's just 
the interview says it all. It really does. And uh, my advice is while you still can, if you can find someone that has been in the hobby that long and is willing to be open of their story, talk to that person and learn all you can. Those people are not going to be around much longer. And once they're gone, they're, they're, the, the, the story and the history that they have will go with them. For a lot of us who have been around on the forums and used RunRider, yes. imagine imagine you got you got someone who you know pretty much was there from the beginning. You know, they're gone. It's kind of like a forum being deleted, gone. Yeah, they learn those lessons, and you know if you, if you don't talk with them, those lessons are gone. And and while some may think those lessons aren't worth learning because they don't apply today. Those who don't study history are doomed to repeat it. Yep. Yeah, I see it a lot. Colin, you've, you've all seen problems in RCLEs. So yeah, that, that that's that's gonna be my uh, word of advice. There is, if you find someone, talk to them, learn all you can, write stuff down, record the audio if if they're willing to agree. Yeah. Good point of reference for for you know if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna improve in something today, learn the history first. Yeah, I know when I first – some of the first times I went down there to Bob's house, I flew in front of him for uh, practice and competition. He lit me up. <laughs> he lit me up. Um, Worse than Todd Bennett? Yeah. <laughs> no, I flew in front of uh, – Bob. Remember when I still had the uh, – remember – so remember you have to pause like every – pause two seconds at every stop and a hover? Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know it. It didn't really come across to me from reading the rules. Well, so he was the first one. He let me up. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's kind of funny hearing him light someone up for rules anyway, just because this is the man that corralled Curtis Youngblood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's really funny hearing someone talk about a dude people consider an old guard in the hobby, and he's he's laying it down like he's some kind of young prima donna. Yeah. It's thoroughly amusing. Yeah, it, it'll come it up. was. Bob was a team manager for Curtis, and he won a world championship at the age of nineteen. So that's pretty impressive. And, and he knows he knows Curtis the kid. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the gyro story is pretty good too. Say it again, Mike. Is that in there the uh, the gyro story? Yes. Yep. Awesome. That one's good. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's funny that a lot of people talk about, like, Alan Zabo uh, Jr. when he was younger. And, you know, that's, okay, that's, that's a while ago, but this is way further back. Yeah. Yeah, because Bob also wrote for magazines, made video tutorials. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that DVD. <laughs> DVDs. Um, yeah, he's, he's done a lot in this hobby. He's done a lot for the hobby. I mean, mm, yeah, yeah. We'll get to it in the interview. But um, anyone got anything else to say? Great, Bueller. <laughs> well, with that, I guess we uh, roll over to the uh, interview. Uh, see y'all on the other side. Talk to y'all later. For this episode, we interviewed Mr. Bob Harris. Bob has been flying radio control helicopters since the late 70s and has been a U.S. helicopter world team manager and competitor from the 80s until 2014. Bob is an Army veteran who served in Korea in 1963 through 64 and a retiree from NASA. 
While in Korea, Bob worked on the Hiller OH-23, which he built a flying scale RC model of for competition. While at NASA, Bob created glass instruments for scientific use at awards. One such award was presented to President Ronald Reagan, and another is at the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. Bob has competed in F-3C and most recently scale helicopters. Bob is not at the field as often. He has in no way slowed down. Before this interview, Bob visited the field with his new Corvette and is always having fun with friends. Yeah, so we're recording on both now. <laughs> now that you've talked all that. Now let's start. Well, he still hasn't gotten into the good stories about crashing ultralights and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Well, you want to start? Some which way you want to do with this paper? So, I know one thing I wanted to go over with it on you is, um, you read the introduction that I gave, that I wrote down here. Was it correct? Um, well, you put, and, and let me tell you, with that, with that helicopter up there, it's an OH-23. 23 Do you know 13. what OH means? Observation. Observation helicopter. And, but there, the, the, the one that most people know of is the Bell. It's a 13, where this is a 23. So everybody, including you, <laughs> have called it a 13. To be honest, I I know it's it's not like I went out know. I went out and looked at pictures and I found a thirteen and it looked like it to me, which makes it even worse. The difference between the the uh, the H uh, thirteen, which is Bell, and the H twenty three, which is Heller, is the tail boom. The bubble is similar, um, everything all the way up, but you know, at collective pitch and. It, but the 23 had a fly bar, and the Bell 13 had fly weights, yeah. not fly bar. <laughs> Old school stuff. So when, but the problem with Bell, and I've flown both of them, full size. Full size, yeah. And the, the, the Bell helicopter was great. But if you push the stick forward, didn't do anything. You know, you, you pull out a book, you read a few paragraphs, <laughs> yeah. and then it moves forward. <laughs> you know, it's like very slow on the on the uh, cycling stick. Yeah. Where Hiller, the was a, almost immediate. I mean, you not super immediate, but it Move. was it was twice as fast as the Bell. This helicopter was used extensively in the Korean War. Not the H-13, which everybody sees on MASH. They use the H-13. Why? Because there's a lot of them that had survived. These things here didn't survive. Mr. Hughes put Hiller out of business. He was very jealous. You know, you got to imagine back then that all three major manufacturers of helicopters, Hughes, Bell, and Hiller, we're all bidding for uh, contracts for the United States Army. Yeah. Well, um, actually, Bell went out with the UH-20, UH-1, which I was a crew chief of. And then with UH-1, that one's got like two seats up in the front and a no, gigantic covered boom in the back? It was basically the same aircraft, but there was a lot of improvements such as engines and, uh. and a bunch of other stuff. But, but the Hiller... When I did the Heller, and I said, oh, gee, I'm going to get that bonus. The world went nuts. They thought, Bob, you're cheating. So wait a minute. This helicopter has got a fly bar. And, and I tried to explain to these guys, listen, if, if Heller didn't come out with this fly bar, 
we wouldn't be flying model helicopters today because it was the fly bar that made the helicopter stable enough for us crazies when we first started this stuff to figure out how to make them fly. And my game plan back when I started flying model helicopters was to to do a world record of beating uh, Dieter Sluter had a six-second helicopter flight. He had the world record of a helicopter flight. I couldn't get more than three. I would lift it up, and the next thing, it would either fly apart or fly into the ground. I had no idea how to hover it. Oh, I Shaggy. had no idea how to set up mixing. I had no Shaggy. idea about anything. This is why and I let me it. tell you, I thought I had something on the rest of the world because I was a helicopter mechanic in the, in the military. <laughs> I went to helicopter. And this stuff still exploded. Huh? This is why all the old guys in the field are terrified of helis. They grew up with this asshole. <laughs> People like him showing up to the field with their own handmade wood blade oh, yeah. and the crap blowing apart and shooting pieces oh, everywhere. Yeah. I would go to the model field. Well, first I was doing it at home. I was. I had a model scratch built. I had to make my own blades. I had to make my own main shaft. I had to make everything. I had to make my own fly bar. I made everything. I made the paddles out of, out of other blades. You had to. We used leading edge material for an airplane wing. With, with um, like aileron material for the trailing edge. And everything was handmade. And I would make dozens of these things at a time. Because you knew. Because I could only get three seconds out of it. <laughs> oh, so now you know why. You go to the field and there's a whole bunch of guys his age or a little younger. And why they hate helicopters. Because they think you're about to have a freaking grenade go off in oh, their faces. Yeah, the worst part was. Model clubs would not allow us to fly these things at their field. Uh, yeah, you can see why. You didn't know where they were going. <laughs> and everybody was like frightened of these suckers. I would be. So, <laughs> so we, we, we were talking a bit ago, how many glitches is too many? Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> they never let us fly in any of the fields. I got to where I was pretty good at it. In fact, in, in most cases, not bragging, but I was better than almost everybody in this area. So they would uh, finally... Let me, yeah. and only me, fly at these model fields with a helicopter. Yeah, because they only had... And, but, but very limited. Everybody had to get off the field. That's right. right. They, <laughs> they only had to take 10 steps back with everybody you versus back. 30 with yeah. everyone else. Everybody, and everybody got underneath tables and stuff because you never knew Flipping. when this thing was going to stop flying. Flipping picnic tables on the side and hiding behind them. <laughs> and we were talking about glitches. Man, you talk about glitches. These things would fly for maybe... A minute before they would just get crazy. And if you didn't crash it, then you were good for another minute. Yeah. And then it would get crazy again. <laughs> and this would go on. Now, this is after I spent a number of years uh, learning how to fly. I had to. Learn we were self-taught. I have anybody to help us. No. We had no information. Um, I, first, I got my first kit from. Uh, an English manufacturer called an English Lork, which was really a nice little helicopter. But here's the problem we had then. The power systems in them, we were using Fox 25 engines. Yeah, airplane motors. Airplane yeah. motors. And we had no cooling. Had to hang it out of the side. We had no cooling. So that meant you had to buy a lot of engines because <laughs> in that three-minute flight or three-second flight, you'd in. burn up an engine. So I finally decided, well, we got to cool these things some way. 
So I put a little propeller on the engine, back where you started. Yeah. The problem was, and there's a picture of it right up there. That's the English floor. And right back here, if you look real hard, you can see a little propeller on the engine. And that, cool, that actually cooled the engine. So, but the problem was that we had the belt start. Yeah, you're talking. So, oh, so, yeah. I remember so, if anyone ever wanted to see all these starters that they got that V start, cut on them, they it's got for a, a V groove in them. It's for a freaking well, belt. The V groove was for starting a helicopter with a belt. The problem with that was, when I put that little prop on there, and if you didn't get your fingers out of the way, <laughs> oh boy. and that thing started up and eat your knuckles up. Oh, that was a mess. I, I'm telling you, what we went through to get these things working. Who came up with the shaft idea? What shaft? Start a shaft starter with a one way clutch. Who did that one? Well, uh, it must not have taken too long for people to realize they should have done that. Sluter came up with the start system, which was you use the V cup on the starter, yeah, and you plunged it down onto. <clears throat> see this helicopter over your head? Yeah, it's got. It's got. Yeah, it's a bottom start, but it's the same thing. Yeah, you tilt it on its side. So, well, what we did was on our tables. We cut a big hole in our table. <laughs> and we stuck the starter up through the hole. Hold the hell, yeah, yeah. And we started up. That's that's how that worked. Until I came up with the idea of the hex start system, and I had a model um, company, model shop, with a guy. I won't mention his name because um, he 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 gave me a bad deal. He run off with all the money. And uh, but but we were making these start systems, and they were they became very popular. But they were all ten millimeter start systems, where now we have the four millimeter. Yeah. So, but it was the same thing. I still have a box full of them over there. But uh, and then of course you know, Sluter came up with a ball link. Prior to ball links, oh, we had clevises. Oh, Everything was clevis. But the clevises <laughs> would pop loose. Yeah, because all this stuff moving around, they didn't like that. So, so um, Sluter again came up with a ball link. But the only way he could get that ball link off, he gave you this little piece of metal that had a, like, looked like a fork. So you put the fork in behind the ball link and pried it off. That's how you got it off. So that gave me the idea. You, you weren't having that. No, I made, so I came up with the ball link pliers. So I made those things for years and sold them. You still have your set around here, Bob? The very first yeah, I still pair. have the original ones. Somewhere. I uh, they're somewhere around. But um, so I did that, and then at some point, I made a lot of little modifications. If you look at this, this model helicopter here was a circus circus uh, helicopter called a Blackhead. And you can see there are wooden blades on there. Um, but every, you see all the, uh, um, uh, push rods yeah. and that sort of thing. All of them were, I had ball bearing to every one. Now, back then, all you had was bushings. Ugh. So, but I ball bearings on my helicopter was state of the art. And there <laughs> it is still. That's from the early 80s. So, we, you're right. We, we had one question down here of when did you begin flying? And you said you started with free flight in 1950. Uh, where, where was that at? Where were you? Was that with the one you're showing us over there or something no, else? That, I showed you a model that I bought when I was about eight years old. Okay. That is 
and it comes with its own razor blade. It's just a block of balsa wood. <laughs> and they give you a picture of what the airplane looks like. So what you do is you carve that balsa wood with that razor blade and glue it all together, and you have a little airplane. But it didn't fly. Yeah. But then they came out with the rubber band. Rubber parrot. Little rubber parrot, which I used to fly off. And I would build scale models of every aircraft you could think of out of one-eighth-inch balsa sticks. Oh, boy. Oh, just hundreds of them <laughs> were in these, in these models. It was just unbelievable. But, you know, and then wow. what I would do, I, my room at my house was on the top floor. Actually, it was in the, in the attic. And I had, a, I had a window up there. And I would build these models. I get one flight out of them. I'd throw them out that window <laughs> and see how far they would go. Sometimes, sometimes they didn't break all the pieces, and I'd go get them, bring them up, and I'd throw them until they did. And then Why I'd build another one. What, what else would a young man do? <laughs> that's kind of how I started when I was younger. Dad take me out to the field, and I would just have those little, you know, cheap dollar gliders you get at the hobby store, and just throw them around. I remember, there was one guy. He actually uh, had built like real gliders where he would have the rubber band launchers and like that. He would put the, the dope on there, you know, the, the little um, clay on the ends. And uh, he, he modified mine just a little bit and put the clay in there and put it on one of his his uh, rubber bands. Man, once he let go, the wings just right off. Yeah. <laughs> it kept I on going. The wings yeah. right, right, in, right in front of me. Like, the oh, first, man. First airplane I ever messed with, if we don't count that horrible Cox RC helicopter free flight thing that I almost killed myself with. Oh, God. The mom got at Macy's or something for a twenty dollar bill. It had to be one of those air hog things. Like that. I mean, like the original air hogs, the ones you oh, actually so stood outside and you pumped it up to the thing got hot. And you thought you were going to have a hand grenade in your hand, and you let it go. And it had a little tiny piston engine that was actually really cool. Oh, I remember, I remember seeing that. Yes. Yeah, I, I took that thing over to the school where I was, and it kept flying over top of the roof of the school. And by this point, I'm panicking. I'm like four years old, thinking I'm going to lose this brand new Christmas present. You know, go outside and lose it. Good job, Michael. You <laughs> lost this present. First day. That's usually how it goes, though. Yeah, it almost took my finger off, too. That was back when you could still get dangerous presents. Yeah, well, back <laughs> in my time, we didn't have anybody to help us. We did everything on our own. It was just amazing how we got through what we got. I mean, you go back, look at the Wright brothers, and you see how that thing worked. I mean, those guys, when they was, they started flying with their little kites, yeah. They couldn't turn the airplane. They could, they could get it going straight and level, but when they wanted to turn it, they, it wouldn't turn. So they came up with a thing called wing warping. Yeah, yank the wing around. Which, which um, you know, they had all these gadgets attached to a, um, a thing that the pilot laid on, and and you would move that around, and it would twist the wings. going to the wings, yeah. and it would twist the wings like modern-day ailerons. So that's how that that's how that came about. Boy, yeah. nowadays, you know, I mean, we when I first started flying, we we flew with uh, three axis only. Most everything was like I explained to you that galloping ghost. Yeah, that was a AM radio set, which was just about as horrible as you could get, and you couldn't get more than a minute flight out of the thing anyway. But it was an it was my first. Jump into RC. Prior to that, flying, you know, those free flights, um, 
where you take the rubber band and wind it up, and, mm-hmm. throw it. and they cut to where you you know you could really get some good flights out of not the ones, not the early ones, but the later ones, sort of like. You ever have one of those? You know, so, yeah, yeah, that was what actually worked. I know. Uh, last couple of years, we were visiting. Uh, what was the Ram show up in Jersey? Now the AMA runs it as AMA East. Last year, yeah. And uh, you'll see people with some rubber power stuff. They'll throw it up there, and it'll sit there and circle around for yeah. like no, minute. 10 minutes, it seems. It'll sit there and just circle around slowly and make its way back down. Yeah, well, you know what? We've, we've got a pretty good handle on aerodynamics these days. Sure have, it seems. So, you know, that that has come a long way since, since I started with this stuff. <laughs> you know the other. I think the other question we had in here is what were uh, what were top of the line back then for maneuvers? And uh, you wrote a couple down. Uh, was it loop rolling auto? That's it. If so, you could do those three, you were the king. <laughs> <laughs> and you're talking about autos for helicopters. So when did you start flying model helicopters? About 1976. 1976. Yeah. Wow. Wow. 1976. Nobody, yeah. nobody in this area was. And it was funny because I had, I had a club at work, Goddard Model Airplane Club. And everybody's on my case saying, why do you keep doing that? They will never fly. And honest to God, they, I mean, everybody was in total belief that a model helicopter would never fly. And I tell him, I said, listen, Dieter Sluter, this German guy has yeah. done it for six seconds. And I know I can do that, too. I'm going to do it. And I kept doing that. <laughs> My wife, Barney, she just was going, why do you keep doing this? You know, you know I get three seconds and it'd be all in pieces. You know, the, the crazy thing that comes across my mind is, like, why are you doing this? The model helicopters should never fly. Yet the guys are walking out onto a flight line and getting in a real helicopter and flying it. What do you mean we can't fly it? Well, it, you know, it, models it, are a little different than the full size. They actually don't fly anything like a full size. So you you can take a full size pilot and hand them that transmitter, and they're totally lost. Sure, you see like, the pants feels right, huge. Right, right. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Your rudder pedals are now your left stick. Yeah, and it's, it's like what? It's so weird. It's, just, a, it's freaking. They got a full scale. It's so much easier than flying. Yeah, your yeah. collective is a oh, is a, another lever versus. On the same stick as your rudder, right? The collective, the collective, and your throttle are on the on the same stick, right? Yeah. And, and then your you know your cyclic stick, which is three sixty, trying to get that thing to go in the right direction at the right time was has always been the problem, and it, even with the models. So I don't want to talk about my experiences, but I'm not too. But about three years ago, I went and took some lessons on a. I was going to buy this helicopter here. That mosquito. Thing. You see that mosquito? Yeah. I was. Oh, I want. I went all the way to Florida and, and talked to the guy. And, and anyway, bottom line was that he he had a six month waiting period and he wanted ten thousand dollars to hold a place in the line. Holy crap! And he was the only guy doing it. And he's demoing. I said, hey, "What if you kill yourself?" I don't kill myself. <laughs> I think he finally did. But but that's what I wanted. So that. They said that closest thing to that helicopter for the stick movement was uh, a Robinson R22. Oh, God, those. I went and took a lesson on one. You sneezed in your and they were, It was right. Now, I could fly <laughs> the thing. I mean, the pilot and I took off, and you know, we were going down the runway, and he says, okay, take it. 
and I took it, and I had no problem flying it. You know, n- nothing much to do except push the stick forward, hold the throttle where it is. Everything was cool. He said, okay, let's go over and hover it. Uh, that was a whole different thing. <laughs> oh, those things are so freaking tough. Oh, man, I would move that stick a, a hair. And, <laughs> and I would be, sideways. And I'd have to say, you know, he'd say, I got it, I got it. You know, it's like, man. No, Monty. <laughs> and all my buddies are there standing there watching me laughing like I'm really a good helicopter pilot, right? See? Everyone in the field thinks I'm bullshit when I say those things are that touchy. And here you go, first-hand proof. Oh, yeah. yeah You're I... flying like this. you got to put your pinky finger yeah. out there. <laughs> They're violently quick. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, wow. There's, there's, a, there's, there's a fair amount of legal action written against oh, Robinson yeah. for the R-22. The thing's killing people. And then at yeah. some point, I went over and took... I'd been flying at OH-23 in Korea. I was a, I was a, a, a flight line sergeant. And my job was... Mostly, is get out there in the morning, get a helicopter ready for the general. Mm-hmm. And the general would come out. And, well, I mean, I'm out there 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm running this puppy up, and I'm thinking, no well, let me give here. it a little bit of collective. There's no one out here. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. me. Just me. So that's what I did. I did that a number of times. If you look on that model, you see these little wheels on the skids. Yeah, you yeah. flip them down. And you wheel you flip them down, yep. and you roll it just like, uh, you know. A wheelbarrow. So this thing, once I started getting it light and off the ground, I didn't have, didn't know you had to push a lot of rudder, just you know, initially. So it would start spinning on me. Well, it would spin real fast, and it would spin across the blacktop. <laughs> and I go, oh my god, oh my god! So I get out, I put my wheels down, and I'd run it back over to the pad. <laughs> Put the wheels back up. And everything was normal. And then the next day, get some courage to do it that, again. I oh my gosh! To a point where I actually could hover that sucker. I put it back on that pad a lot of times while I was doing that. <laughs> but finally, I'm out there hovering, and I man, I'm just having a great time. And I hear this unusual noise. What is that? And I kind of look peripheral out of my left. And here's here's my uh, line officer that I fly with every day. Beating on the skid. <laughs> He's going, get down. I'm going, okay, okay. So yeah, he says, dude. are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? I said, no, man, I got it. See, I, mean, I got it. It's quality assurance. Yeah. He oh said, Bob, if you really want to learn how to fly this thing, I'll teach you how to fly. So from that moment on, which was about six months into my one-year term in, uh, term in Korea, we flew every day. Every day, I flew that helicopter. Wow. Oh, I flew the pants off of See, they have any rules over there. You could fly under bridges. <laughs> you could fly down to the to the creek where. Yeah, yeah they have any laundries over there. So everybody, all the all the women, mm-hmm. were down beating the clothes on rocks. When you're blowing their clothes off the shore. Well, we'd go down there hovering, and they and they bathed in the creeks too. <laughs> so they would be bathing. And all these naked people, and they'd be waving at us. Like, oh my God, look at this! And the way they fished over there, they, they yes, kept some man. generators from the Korean War, with their backpacks with, with generators. Yeah, uh, radios. Yeah, and then they Why made up walk? these big probes. Shock uh, they're shocking. And they're they would sh- put them. They fire these, and they put, and they catch fish like that. Oh, it's fish stunner. Yeah, and the fish would just pop up, huh? 
just electrocute them, all the ones in, the, in that little yep. area. Yeah. It was the darnest thing I've ever seen. Family friend works for uh, Fish and Wildlife, That's what they and do. they have to go out and count fish. So he goes out there and stuns fish, counts them, and they they, they uh, get back their surroundings and go back down and well, move these guys along and shock, yeah, shock them again. Yeah. They kept them and ate them. Yeah. Uh, in <laughs> Korea, there wasn't uh, – I swear, when I was there in 1963, 64 – it was almost like nothing had changed in centuries. They were living in little mud huts. They had no sanitation whatsoever anywhere where I was. Up on the, I was on the DMZ. Yeah, it's the 38th parallel mm-hmm. in Korea. Yeah. That's where I was stationed. We were flying DMZ patrol. Oh, wow. And that's what we did every day. We just flew up and down the DMZ. Mm. But these people were, it was sad. They had nothing. There was no asphalt roads anywhere. And the, the most, most they had was a bicycle, you know, motivation. So it was pretty bad. Sounds crazy. You never went and got your, uh, FAA ticket for helicopters. Well, money. Too much money. It is expensive. They, you know, they wanted, you know, when I started, they wanted like $200 an hour. It's worse. I know. It's, it's gotten real bad. Now. Meanwhile, you look at that. for $200 an hour. Meanwhile, you look at that. I mean, they have a, you know, you got a 10-hour um, solo. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, huh. and then, then you got to keep going until you until you can get your license. Too much money. Well, meanwhile, you can run a 172 for 80 bucks an hour. Hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's not bad. I'm no, like, they're not bad at all. If you, find, you find a good place to rent planes, you can get them under $100. Yeah. I'm definitely going to consider that because I've been wanting so to get my So Casey and I do. Every now and then when he needs hours, it's like, go to some random place and get you hours. How many hours do you need an hour these days? I don't know. I haven't looked in a long time. So, like... Because I want to get my fixed wing. I want to as well. Because I told Bob, the moment I get property, it's time to get a, uh, like a kit box or something. A little glider, a little ultralight. <laughs> oh, no. Which plane? <laughs> I want to be able to put stuff in it. What oh, else yeah. you got, big boy? Hey, you got some... There's big ultralights out there. So, some of the questions, like, uh, I think we kind of hit it. What was the equipment uh, you started flying with? You wrote down uh, J. Roberts' three-line bell crank? Not bell crank. <laughs> what? After after free flight, yeah. I went to control line. Oh. No, that's what I'm seeing right there. Airplane right there. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's control line right that there. That that's airplane, that, oh, man, airplane, that was, uh, that's a stunt airplane. It's a three-line. Okay. Most of them are two. Okay. So you had a third yeah. line for a throttle. Okay. Holes yeah. in it here, though. <laughs> and, Duct tape. And and this, well, this airplane here is uh, was built in 1968 or so. Wow. So you know you're talking about getting close to 50 years old. But see how it works here. Here, this is how the belt comes. Uh, oh yeah. The flaps, yeah, the ailerons are now flaps. And yeah. they make this thing do aerobatics on its own length. Wow. Mm. So this is a full aerobatic model airplane that I flew for years. And it's got it's got a, a, a carburetor on it. You gotta remember when we first started flying um RC anything mm-hmm. that uh or not even RC but control line. Control line we I had no place to fly other than than parks. We yeah. would go to a park. We wouldn't be there very long because we didn't have any mufflers. Oh, loud. And most of the motors we had were 049. Yep. And then, right. we went, then we went to the 25 size, 
and even bigger. But you got to imagine, no mufflers. Oh, I they know. had no mufflers Some for these model engines. Oh, 049, yeah, I had one of those cops things, and it was loud. loud as hell. Oh, very loud. Oh. And you get two or three of those things going, Whee! we used to do combat, and I have a bunch of combat trophies up there. Yeah. Five of us would get in a circle. Yeah. Five, five people. I'd say, I'd say guys, but we did have one girl doing it with us. Hell yeah. But, but we have five aircraft and we had a cop, uh, ground crew. The ground crew would start the model up mm-hmm. and we'd get all the models going and then somebody would put their hand down like go. Now these models were, these models were designed to, to hit each other. So you got mm-hmm. five people going around in a circle with cables, with cables. You can imagine what this looks like. It was, it was, you laughed so hard, you couldn't stop laughing because all these models are everywhere and they're wrapped around us. <laughs> I mean, it's, I've won, this girl, her and I ended up, what you do is you, you would, you would crash somebody's model. Yeah. Right? He would be out. Yeah. And then you crash, some, somebody else would crash. Then you're down to a couple models. Well, I was down to this girl now. She's good. And we were flying around, and finally something happened. She got confused. The model, her wires start wrapping around me, uh, <laughs> and these, you know, every time they go around, wrapped around, wrapped around, wrapped around. Finally, it got right at my feet, and then I stepped on it. <laughs> <laughs> so she was out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this last summer at Heli Nats, the uh, control line Nats was running at the same time. Yeah, that was, and they brought out. Pulse jets. Oh, those things are cool. Oh, yeah. When they, they got them to work. When they got them to work, yeah, the, the, they were loud. Well, you got to realize they were that fast. the pulse jet was around when, when I first started. Yeah. In the 50s. Mm-hmm. And they've always been finicky little oh, flaps and everything. Oh, those things were a bear to get going. They still are. And, and they only lasted for about a minute. They, Not even that. They Maybe. burned so much fuel. I watched them at the Nats one year. I went down and watched because I'm an old control liner. So I heard this thing, this horrendous noise, <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, that's Dynajet. So I, I went down, and when I walked up, to, they were in a total uh, cage. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're flying this thing, and really it consists of the Dynajet, something uh, that consisted of what looked like might, might have been a fuselage, and one wing, one wing. inboard wing. And, and to watch it fly... You couldn't see the model at all. No. They're going over 200 miles an hour in a 67-foot line. And you could not see the model. You saw something going around, but you couldn't define what it was because it's going so fast until it ran out of fuel. That was the crazy thing was to see how far back tension. the pilot was leaning. Well, you had to, you had to do it on the post. Yeah, there and was there post. was a post, yeah. Yeah. There's a post with a U grip in it. What you do? This post was on a, a, so, a, it rotated. So you put your arm, you grab that post with one hand and you hold the model with the control line with the other hand. And when they, when your crew fired that thing off, you ran literally yes, around that post. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised how you run it. Yeah, that'd be fun. Around a post. It'd be fun to see the math of how fast you have to run around the post for your control line to be doing 200 miles an hour. It's easy. Yeah. <laughs> it is easy math. Yeah. Yeah, it's a 67 foot line. But so what, what, what 
drives a person to do that. I, you you want to go I, fast and you don't have RC yet? Need, <laughs> boy, a need for speed is oh, an yeah. understatement. Yeah, you, you, you can't stop the human element from wanting to go it's fast no, anyway, in even the dumbest it's, of it's, ways. But this model here <laughs> was the next step after free flight. Okay. Was control line. Yeah. This is, this is the... I used to... I broke more control line. I, I'd break one a week. Every week, I would destroy it. <laughs> it sounds like kill a plane and threaten a bigger field. Dude shows up at 20 planes, smashes at, at, at some point, I got, I got to be... And there were some others. We were all in the same class. We could fly these models without moving our feet like this. <laughs> doing a lasso. But you had to keep track of what you were doing. Yeah. You'd go inside this way, then you got to go outside. Yeah, the one way. of the guys at um, the Fluvanna field was doing that. All sorts of stunts <laughs> and everything. <clears throat> With the control line. You know how they got the control line spot? Yeah. Yeah, the first time we ever went there, the guy was over there doing all sorts of stunts and everything. With it. He wasn't moving. Just doing figure eights and all sorts yeah. of crazy shit with yeah, it. Yeah, I've, I've well, because my first my first foray into it was a control line circle at Delta Park in Portland, Oregon, <laughs> and I've seen it, seen it. The guys will fly figure eights in front of themselves. They won't even fly behind themselves. They'll sit there just doing oh, yeah. figure eights yeah. in front yeah. of themselves. This, this guy was going up over his head. Back yeah, down. holy shit! Oh, control yeah. line actually looks fun. Now. Well, you know, remember now we have we have a, a, you know our 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 flight. Um, programs yeah. for yeah. all our helicopters. So, well, we also have it for airplanes, also have it for control line. So there's a full um, pattern that you have to fly with control line. See, that wasn't a, a, a demolition derby airplane. No, it looks a little nicer than that. <laughs> that airplane was for flying pattern. So you do a square loop, you, 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 you. Something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Backwards or um, uh, figure of eight, uh, horizontal eight like this, and all sorts of things. I forget what they all were. But you didn't really have a choice as to where you were going to land because mm -hmm. you were on a, a line. So a lot of times they would, the lines would break. And the model would fly off in some direction. Oh, that's the big reason. Like uh, the CD, the CD oh, test has uh, oh, yeah. lines in there about testing pull strengths. How often does that have to be done? Because yeah. <laughs> control line breaks. Well, on our model field, we didn't have that. You you would turn a uh, control line into a free flight. <laughs> Somewhat, yeah. Um. I think you were also talking about uh, your first RC helicopter. You're talking about a scratch built English Lark and then the Heli Boy. I think we talked about that one uh, already. The, the English Lark was a kit that went scratch. Oh. But I had built something like uh, this this thing called an RB10. That is the helicopter I donated to the AMA Museum. Yeah. So I, I'm hoping that they put that on display sometime. Now that's that's a fixed pitch helicopter. No collective pitch. I remember seeing when we've been down here in years past. I remember seeing it hanging up yeah, over there because right, it had yeah. the had the belt it. off the back. Oh, and it's funny. I've told the one tail that. blade. Yeah, the one tail blade. One tail blade with a counterweight. With a counterweight. Yeah. Yeah. People don't believe me. They're like, "Oh, belt suck." I'm like, "Bro, you haven't seen how bad belts can be." I know this guy. He's got one of these things in his shed. That thing's got every bit of three freaking pulleys down the bank of the tail boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was quite a piece. It is. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm going to have to get myself the Amy Museum. I actually have a reason to go in there. Yeah, I, yeah they I, might have a helicopter. You go in there and be like, yeah, I saw this thing before it was cool. They have a glass and I've touched it. Well, you know, when a lot of other things people have done and different 
whether it's cars or airplanes or models, um, somebody has to start it somewhere. Then as you go along, you have people, individuals, doing modifications to make the model better. Yep. And it just got better and better and better. But you got to realize that better meant, you know, you had one little thing like we were at the flying field one day and um, this friend of mine, which is still a good friend of mine, which is an engineering degree, and he's probably the best mechanical guy I've ever met. Um, so this other friend of mine and I, Joe Lawrence, Joe and I were the top guys at the field. So, but there again, we had, we had no gyros. So we did tail rotor mixing mm -hmm. with, with input from all of the, the, the cyclic nets. Right. So we're trying to figure out how to make this thing better. And we try it and it didn't work. We bring it down and we try something else. And these things were just, they were not quite out of control, but close to it. <laughs> so to it. anyway, this guy is sitting there. We didn't know this guy at the time. And he says, hey, he says, I, I got your solution. All you have to do is this, this, that, and another. And we, Joe and I looked at each other like, well, what does this guy know? We are the guys. We are the masters of this. If we can't do it, what kind of chances this guy has? So anyway, we proceeded to do all these adjustments. And it turns out we do the same thing that this guy had said to do in the beginning. Oops. And I said, <laughs> wait a minute. How did this guy know that? So I go, I said, how did you know that? He said, well, it's simple. And I'm going, okay, listen, we got this other problem. <laughs> So from that point on, anytime John Burleson told us we had to do this, that, or another to make it work better, that's what we did, and it always worked. <laughs> so flying without a gyro was a bit, a bit of a challenge. Mm -hmm. And then finally, somebody came out with a gyro. Now, I had, had one in there that says something about... How did the first guy... We'll get into that one in a bit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that leads us into, I think, one story. I remember we were talking about, you mentioned the movie Likewise? Yeah. Yeah. So, you did taping on the... Or you did flying for the movie Likewise. Yeah, I, I pulled... I, I found these photos here. This one here? Yeah. Yeah, so okay. you flying a helicopter in a parking lot. Oh, I'm inside of the Aviation Museum uh -huh. at, at the... Um, at um, the Naval Museum. In the Navy Yard. Yeah. I, I bet you've never been there. But they've got the most magnificent ships, model ships of everything that's ever been made in that building. That building, which you see a picture of here. Yeah, the high bay where they have right, a wave pool. This is where they made the atomic bomb, Fat Boy's really? body. Not uh, the bomb. Not right. the bomb. The but body. the shell. The shell that... Okay. So this is this is a high high bay area. This is kind of an area that I worked in in NASA. But if you look at this high bay area, they see it's some guy has put a four by eight piece of plywood up there up the side. And there, Did they if see you look real hard. There's, that's me. There's a rotor blade standing on the plywood. <laughs> so what they wanted me to do was this high bay area. They had divided it off, but only in like ten foot walls. 
between the different exhibit areas. Yeah. Okay. So I'm doing this movie Lifewise, and they they always called me they, when they called for me. They said, "All right, the toy helicopter is up. <laughs> they, we want him on the set." So I'd get all my stuff and I'd run over there, and um, I did all of these scenes. Now here's another scene. Here's a scene uh, we're in the parking lot. What they did was I had a Jet Ranger, and, but it was all these colors, real pretty. Yeah. yeah. But they, they wanted a black Jet Ranger like the FBI. Oh. Okay? So the FBI was going to fly in in this helicopter to the museum. So here's these two guys putting black tape all over it. <laughs> oh. So they made it black. Okay. They made your, they made your, your right. nicely painted okay. helicopter black so with then, tape. Then what I did was I fired it up, right? Yeah. And we had the, the whole taping crew was back here. So what they're going to do now is they're going to follow me out. What the whole program was for this Jet Ranger to be coming in with all of these FBI guys. Yeah. Okay. So here I am. It's, it's way out there. It's either coming in or going out which way. But bottom line is, I had to fly out over the over the Potomac River. Yeah. Turn it around and cut and the shot was coming in. Yeah. Well, that wasn't too bad. But then they said, Okay, we're gonna do an inside scene. So what you gotta do is we were it's a chase scene where these these guys are chasing this this model helicopter which has some some paper on it that was some Russian thing or another. But they were going from room to room. <laughs> so how can you fly from room to room without stopping the sequence, setting it so up again? So they top. said, I said, I can't fly from room to room if I can't see it. And they said, well, what if we put you up there? I said, what do you mean up there? I said, we'll put you up there so you can see the whole thing. So they put me up there, and I fired this helicopter up on this four-bay sheet of plywood. Hope it doesn't slide off. Oh, uh, hope it doesn't slide off right Right. Now, i got to fire this thing up, and it's like wobbling all around. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And finally, I get it light, and then I have to fly it down and down to where these people were, and then fly through these doors. Ooh, depth perception, you're supposed to pay, you're paying. And, and, yeah, and the worst of it was, they had all these expensive ships, these model ships. <laughs> so the curator comes to me and he says, will that hurt one of my ships if it hits it? I said, it'll destroy my model and your ship. So he, he told the director, you got to do something to cover up my ships. So they had to go out and bought all of this polycarbonate sheet casing. And put all over oh, these, okay, okay, all over these exhibits. Kind of like when you don't I could do that in case I ran into. Kind of like when you don't want kids to touch the cool Christmas display. And I see there's this one guy, this Russian guy that was chasing it. I see him on every movie that you have a Russian guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this guy has made more. You know, he's a second he's, or whatever you call it. He's not Rus a Russian guy. guy. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's your standard Russian guy. But I, you know, we were watching a movie. And I go, hey, Bond, look, there's that Russian guy I flew in the movie with. <laughs> so that's basically what I did. I flew for three days. And then they wanted me to fly out a door, down a corridor, up over a building, and out of sight. 
And I thought, I'll destroy the helicopter doing that. They actually bought me three helicopters during the whole thing. Oh, wow. I was running into stuff. How could I? <laughs> <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine if the doors are 28 inches. Oh, no, these are big double, double oh, wide doors. Okay. So okay. They were big. Yeah. And then they're big doors. And still, they, it's fine. It wasn't like a regular door. They're, yeah. They're, it's funny. They're making him fly through holes. And I did this stuff with PBS Nova. They just wanted me to fly up over high over everything in New York. And here I decided, it's like, you know what? We can get better shots than that. So I told us, like, how expensive is this drone? He's like, we can afford to lose one. I'm like, all right, so you guys wanted this shot over this channel. And the, the channel was dry at this point. So I'm like, I'm going to go about 50 miles an hour and give you a shot hauling ass down this channel between pilings. And he's like, you're going to break nothing. It's like, probably not, but it'd be really cool if it works. And he's like, send it. I want some cool pictures. Yeah, well. Quick, quick question, oh, though. Man. What size is that model? It looks looks like a 700, but it might be a little bit bigger. It's, uh, yeah, 700. 700? Yeah. Now, what's in the, fu- the what was in the fuselage? Like, what airframe? Uh, most everything I flew back then was um, miniature aircraft. So that... Wow. Yeah, because I know there's a few, um, every once in a while some conversations come up about what movies have RC helicopters in them as part of the movie. I don't know what they do. with It's a European group that was doing it. Mm. So I remember you and I met in 2013 when you brought your scale helicopter up to Fredericksburg. And then I told you I was interested in competition. And I'd heard you were in competition and that led to me finding out that you're a team manager for the U.S. Heli team a couple of years, and you've been around the world doing helicopter competition. Yeah. Yeah, so you listed years you went to Worlds was 87, 89, and 91. Right. Where where were those? Is that 87 or 80? That's 87. What, where was uh, where were the Nats at those or Worlds at those years? Uh, in, 19, in 1987 was the second World Championship. Let's have in that book over there. Yeah. That's and that was in Switzerland. That's what gets me. That's the first time you went over there, right? Yeah. Well, it's the only time I've been over there. Well, I was a team manager. And I had three guys on my team. Robert Gorham, Mike Mass, and Curtis Youngblood. <laughs> and it was like these guys would hardly even talk to each other. And they were supposed to be my team. Oh, wow. I had a really bad time with them. But I got them through it, but I tell you, it wasn't easy. Yeah. It was a lot of work because they, they, see, up until the worlds, they never knew anything about a team. They were all individual pilots and they were continue to be individual pilots over there. And I, I spent a good part of the week that we were there trying to get these guys together. They would never practice together. Nice. They would always go off some someplace else. Uh, Curtis had his brother, uh, father, Dave, um, which was a, he's a, uh, a physicist. Right. He's a, he's a real electronic nut. I mean, he, he knows some stuff. But, you know, that leads into the first time I saw somebody climb back. Yeah, we were talking. We were talking about that over time. Yeah, because you mentioned here it was Bern, Switzerland, in '87. I guess it was it Worlds or yeah, it was not the Worlds. Yeah. <laughs> but it was after the Worlds. What happened was that I had a team car, and I would have to take these pilots to to their own 
flying site. I had to prearrange all these flights, all these flying sites before we got there. So I would take each one of them to their flying sites, and then I would come back and pick them up yeah. at some point. Well, I came back to pick up Curtis this one time, and he's doing all of these maneuvers backwards. And I went, that's impossible. <laughs> totally impossible. Gyros will not hold a model doing what he was doing backwards. Those old mechanical things? Yeah. yeah. So it's like that evening, Mike and I would do things together. The rest of them hibernate somewhere. But I told Mike, I said, listen, Mike, you don't believe this. Curtis was doing all this flying backwards at the blind site. Of course, I told him to stop immediately. We only had a couple of models. If he busted one, you know, he was down. Um, he can't go get another one. So he was not happy with that, but he stopped. So, and, and Mike said, Bob, let me tell you something. I've been flying these longer than you. And he was the national champion. And he says, these models won't do that. And I said, I'm telling you, Mike, he was doing it. <laughs> well, that was the first time anybody had seen at the world a heading hold gyro. Wow. And it was his dad that built that sucker along with whoever else. But they put it in there. They didn't tell anybody what it was. Just regular gyro. Just a gyro. Well, I mean, looking at it, you couldn't tell any different. I mean, you know, it was homemade gyro. The, the mechanicals are huge. You could hide a lot in there if you made something better. Man. And then he did a, after the after he won the Worlds, they asked him to go out and do a demo flight. And that's the first time anybody in the world had ever seen 3D flying. Wow. wow. He put on a 3D show that draws were dropping everywhere. Nobody could believe this. How could he do that? He was not from this planet. <laughs> I mean, period. There's no way a man could do that. This guy has more talent than, than the whole world. But it actually, he had that heading hole gyro in there. He's doing all this stuff. And look, everybody's doing it now. Yeah. But Curtis was the first one that ever did it in public. Now, I'm, there may have been some others doing it by themselves, but he's the only one that did it in public. And he did it at the World Championships after the contest. Wow. And I mean, he blew everybody's mind. I and mean, you couldn't believe what people were, the looks on people's faces. I'm looking at it because I've been watching it at the, his private site, you know, and I'm, and I'm shocked. Yeah. I'm, and I'm telling my friend Mike Mass what he's doing, and Mike is not believing me at all. <laughs> and then Mike is standing there, you know, Mike always stands like this. Slumped over kind of. Yeah. With uh, one we, hand we, on we, we, Yeah. And he's standing there like, he can't believe it either. <laughs> I'm going, I see, I told you, Mike, I told you. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. I bet after that, the uh, FAI got a lot meaner with rules. Um, no, they still didn't tell anybody what that was. Oh, so for a while there, everyone thought it was everybody a had start. Every, every technical person after that had start trying to figure out what has he done to make this thing stable and and tail, you know, going tail first on everything. Yeah, so. That's when it was all discovered. And I, I don't know, maybe maybe Dave put it out 
that it was, or I don't know, but it all came up. It all life. Yeah. It wasn't cheating. I mean, you know, he didn't do any. He didn't do any FBI maneuvers and and with the handing all gyro, but it did help him. Yeah, I'm But Curtis, honest to God, he was far superior than anybody on the planet. Just, just hand-eye coordination. The guy was unbelievable. I, I uh, talking with Craig Bradley about watching him over the years, and how Curtis would come into Nats after like three rounds of completed and fly just four times and still get the best score. Yeah, and and you know take all those drops and still he just win it all. And, oh, okay. I'm good. Qualified. Yeah, when I had him in, in Switzerland, he was 19 years old. Wow. 19. And he was that good at 19. Unbelievable. But, you know, young people have higher skills than guys like me. <laughs> Older it, guys. It makes you... It, it, Kind of makes you wonder just in the human part of, you know, hey, I'm 19. I could be learning something great right now. I hope I'm not wasting my time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no, that's this, come to my mind a few this times. Guy is, this guy was, he was the top of the line, no question. Where was uh, where was Nats in 89 in the U.S.? At? Was it? Uh, Fentress. Where? Here in Virginia. Virginia hosted Worlds. Yes. Wow. Fentress Air Force Base. Okay. I don't even know where that is. It's so south of here. Probably didn't exist anymore. About two hours. Hmm. Does uh, anything remarkable about Nats that year? No. <laughs> Curtis won it all. Curtis won it all. And then uh, the last one here is 91 Australia. That must have been a fun trip. Australia was a rush. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was... Uh, <clears throat> I was judged... I judged... I was team manager of the first world... I, I was a regular judge on the second Worlds in Fentress, and then in 91 in, in Australia, they made me chief judge. Okay. Yeah. So, um, that was, oh man, that was, that was, there was no pressure on me other than trying to keep some of these judges in line. But I had a little trouble with the Japanese judges. Judge, he, and he was a good friend of mine. He had a lot of money. But, uh, um, he, if I'm reading the book, he was uh, president of KNS. His dad owned all these Kisi, like McDonald's in Japan. Okay. So they were very, very well off. Yeah. And of course, he wanted his team to win, but you know, you, you got to be a little bit more <laughs> conservative on your numbers. So I had to get in his case really bad at one point, and I said, "Listen." You got to, you know, here we are. I said, my rule is two, you can go two higher than the rest of us, but you got to be only two. You can't be five. Yeah. So he's given these Japanese guys these outstanding scores, but everybody else was, you know, getting normalized scores. So it's like, okay, I'll calm it down. And he did. He, he realized too that he was over the top. Somewhere. But that didn't do the Japanese. Let's see, the Japanese did come in. What was the finish on that? On the 91. Who won that? Remember? I don't remember reading it who won it. 
We'll have to we'll have to use the power of the internet to figure out who the winner of '91 uh, Worlds was. And I'll yeah, show you. I forget. I think it was a Japanese guy. Yeah, because I know now when you go through the rules for like F3C and F3N, you have to seat five judges, and the judge with the lowest and highest score gets dropped. You take the middle three. Right. To stop. Well, that's what combat. I told. That's what I told this Japanese judge. Yeah. Let's see, scores are just getting thrown out. Yeah, make it you, useful. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, calm it down, get in with the rest of us so that your scores will be counted. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't doing him any good to do that. He, he but it sh- needed to be pointed out, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Wow. Yeah, uh, so the other question was, what was it like with uh, with all the changing of technology? Because uh, you wrote down fun. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, and, and it still is. I mean, you know, the latest thing that I have now is that transmitter over there, which is a 14. Yeah, the GR14. GRXG14. And, you know, you can go beyond that. But the, the thing about the technology there is, you know, like I showed you on one of those early radios, like a 1980 radio, that had CCPM. We didn't know what that was. Yeah. So at some point we learned what it was and we were able to do the mixing on CCPM. Now what you have is a radio that you can that's called Xbox. And I don't and mm, I when Xbox, I, Xbox serial Xbox serial communication. Yeah. yeah. So what you can do is you can program one channel some twenty or thirty times. So you can you know, you can make one channel do all these different things with different servos. Uh, you have to have a servo for every every time you want to do that. So when I hooked up um, some of the latest airplanes yeah. with that, what a nightmare trying to figure out how to make that Xbox work. <laughs> because it's a whole absolutely different set of programming. So now you see why I'll sometimes tell guys, it's like, with all the serial stuff and helis and airplanes, now, it's like, hey, bad idea to have an oscilloscope, but cheap little ones to debug some of this crap. Because well, you'll find things there. You might get noise or something. Oh, PWM man. I, from back in the day. My, let me tell you what. When I first started uh, in helicopters, I, I bought a um, German helicopter from Sluter. Hmm. But it came with German instructions. Oh, fantastic. So I can't speak German. <laughs> so um, um, one of the guys on my committee, which was actually the head of the committee, um, Horace Hagen. Ever hear of Hagen? Horace. See, everybody everybody in the industry knew Horace Hagen. Yeah. You mentioned his name, and you're mentioning rules. Mm. He was the rule king, period. Uh, but, you know, he I was on his committee, so I would call Horace up, what does Wachenschuckenheimers mean? <laughs> <laughs> he would tell me what it means. So I'm reading, so I'm reading all these things to him. He's telling me, what they say, and I'm writing down in English. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm actually converting my my translate. I, I, I don't want any of this stuff meant. Yeah, you didn't have Google Translate. No, man. So yeah, he helped me out there. So that was kind of neat. Of course, at some point they start making everything in all the different languages. But man, it was. I I get a feeling that. You know, uh, I can almost say we're spoiled with internet these days, but it seems like the way you would learn is is by going to nationals and 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 
hanging out with friends at other fields or traveling a bit. No well, I did, I did a lot of competition local, like that tangerine. The tangerine was the biggest thing in the 80s. Yeah. Now, that was in Florida. Okay. So I would, myself and two other friends of mine, would pack up all of our gear and go down and compete in the tangerine. Okay. But there was many, many contests up and down the East Coast. I'm sure there was plenty on the West Coast, but on the East Coast there was a ton. And I went to a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, And they were all helicopter? Huh? And they were all helicopter? All helicopter. Wow. So, yeah, you're missing that, huh? Huh? Mommy. No, we don't There know. was fields. There was, I mean, there was, and I don't even remember how we got to know where these things were. Back in the AMA magazine, that's about yeah, it. Maybe that was phone it. calls, uh, email. It was, all, it was no internet. Oh. Anyway, no, we no, found no. these contests and went to them every year. Every year we go to these contests, and on the way we would practice. And if it, we were up in the mountains and we got to a, a, a overlook, yeah. we'd get out the car, crank our machines up, and fly. <laughs> Out over wilderness. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, what a crazy thing to do. If we lost a helicopter, there was no getting it. <laughs> well, it's gone. But, but we were crazy. We did that. When we got to wherever the contest was, everybody stayed in the same motel or hotel, but motel mainly. Yeah. So there would be all these guys with all these models all around the hotel. Flying these models, practice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it was a, un, it was, it was the most fun I've ever had in my life. Noise complaints for I days. I man, I would get nervous. Couldn't wait to get my helicopter out, fire it up, and show these guys what I could do. And it was like cool as a moose. So all those guys, pretty much going now. Yeah, that's uh. So here's nice to really do fun flies. Like, I mean, if you buddies. mention a name, everybody, I mean, they were all in magazines. Everybody knew everybody, but there wasn't that many to know. So yeah. at some point, at 93, I bailed out of modeling totally in competition mm-hmm. for about 10 years. Okay. And what I was doing then was I started building ultralights. I built an ultralight, then I built that experimental biplane. Yeah. And then I built, I, this last one I finished was number seven. Lord. So I built seven airplanes. Full Casey, scale. You know, you full scale. to you about building a kit plane, looks like. Yeah, full-size airplanes. And, like, these guys just had me build this airplane for them. Mm. I, I had a good reputation in the scale, helicopters, model helicopters, but I... I excelled in building full size. Mm. And everybody wanted me to fix theirs or modify it or build it. <laughs> so I've actually built two of those seven were built for guys, well, three of them now. For, not for me. Wow. Next, I know we came down here with one years ago to repair <laughs> after it went through a fence. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but well, that was. Casey's. <laughs> no, I don't want to try to name names, but yeah, it was his. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was Brother Casey. Uh, he yeah. had me to fix it. I, like, well, Can you have to work I said, Case, this airplane wasn't his. No. It was a friend of his. It was, it was a big... How, so how in the world you can screw up a Kolb airplane? 
I have no idea. <laughs> About two cattle fences at 40 miles an hour. That's yeah, I, I, I don't know. That, that is, without a doubt, the easiest full-size airplane you know what got me? there is. It was the stupid tailwheel. The, the control on that Yeah, boat. yeah. Well, that's happened, right. That's what it was. And what happened was I told him, hey, wait till Friday night. I'm going to bring my TIG motor down and we'll weld it. And he got some yokel to do it. And the bastard broke on him. <laughs> Sent him into yeah, the that's cattle right, fence. Yeah, that's right. That's right what it was. Yeah, that was the tailwheel. Yeah, yeah that was the tailwheel. I, 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 I busted off. Or told him you better get it fixed. I don't know where I, I you, fix you, you fixed it for him. And then he got he gave it back to the guy. Yeah. You seen it and you told him it has to be it should be fixed. He said I'll tell you well in case he found somebody welded it badly, it yeah. broke. Uh, and then he brought it down here to fix the tailwheel and, and patch up covering from Casey going through a fence. Me all of his models that he oh, the jet. Remember that? The jet? He busted Same that. Same thing. That's like He brought him the, the, the tornado. The tornado. <laughs> yeah. A smaller jet of his? He knocked the whole front of it off. Well that's the one with the really old engine that when you go for a landing, you are committed. Yeah. And it, oh, it yeah. bounced and it was like, it's dead. <laughs> you know four seconds in advance you're done, so you just get to wait and watch it happen. Yeah, because that thing doesn't spool back up no. with any urgency. It's that's the old ones, man. Was that the old Navy head? Yeah. Uh, got used. And that's the old motor. When you go for landing one of those, you are committed. What's the second delay? From zero to full? Yeah. Like seven or eight seconds. Woo! And if no it's thing. idling, you're basically hosed. Oh, wow. Well, that's why Casey, whenever he talks about jets, he's so leery about planning ahead. He grew up with that. Um, what scale models have you built and competed with in helicopters? I don't remember them all. I was going to say, get out the list. That's, <laughs> a, that's a lot of them. Because I know, I mean, I've seen pictures, of course, the Nightingale, which was uh, in 2014, and you can find pictures of it in the Nats News like you have. And then I remember you have pictures of a scale movie helicopter. I don't think you made it, though. Uh, the one you use on your school stuff, the blue one. What is it? What is that movie helicopter? It doesn't fly. Oh, Blue Thunder. Blue Thunder. Did you see oh some yeah. Dad built one of those. You see those videos? Some German dude built a big one. Yeah, I know, but I built. And the he first can't fly it for shit. I built the absolute first one. Everybody was trying to get one to work with the the tail rotor was a problem. Yeah. The fenceless tail rotor. Yeah. yeah those are um, I finally figured it out. That it needed to be in a tunnel. So I took, and the model I was building was one six scale. So, but there were no, there was a fence drawn from Horobo. And when I was at the Worlds in 80, or in 91, um, Mr. Horobo himself was there. Yeah. So he and I were chatting. And I said, oh, hey, by the way, do you have any of those tail rotors left? Because he'd stopped making them. He said, yeah, how many you want? <laughs> so I said, I don't know. Can I have a couple of them? Yeah, so he sent me two of them. And I proceeded to blow them up. Nice. <laughs> the problem was that they were they were all bushing, no bearings in it. Okay. Something that's and fast. as soon as you got up, so. you know, you're talking about a difference of 10 to 1. Mm-hmm. Rotor speed, tail rotor. They're probably doing 15,000. Yeah, 10, yeah, tail rotor had to really hum to make it work. Well, when I get up to tail rotor speed, they would disintegrate. Ooh. Fly apart. I, think grenade I got in the deck. boxes of tail rotor, of fence drawn stuff that I tried to make. I ended up with a Vario tail rotor. Okay. Uh, but it was way too big. 
So I made up a fixture because you had, you know, you got those plates off. They got to be exact. But you're talking about really high. I mean, I was running high speed. But so I cut them all down some three eighths of an inch each blade. So instead of having a blade this long, I had one that long. Okay. And I put it in the fence and I got to work. Wow. But that was in Blue Thunder. Yeah. See, now this, this issue right here is Blue Thunder. Okay. Now this, um, I made the front page of Rotary. You just saw a picture of Zabo. <laughs> like nine years old. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. That's Blue Thunder. What? When's this that? is totally scratch. Wow. Totally scratch. I took side frames from um, some model that I had. I think it was a Robo. And I modified it totally to make it work. Excel, Furion. Oh, there's Thunder Tiger heads in here. Yeah. Hey, look, Thunder Power from when they were good. A picture of Maxwell with a Furion. Oh, look how cute he is. <laughs> wearing a Pataba shirt. For <laughs> Uh, yeah, Nick's, Nick, was, Nick was real good to me at the 14 Nats. I mean, he was. That was that was a fun evening getting uh, getting that tune. Yeah, I like him because he's not a prima donna like so many of them are. No, he just he's, he's like me. And, and after we did that, he helped me set up that helicopter, of which I could I just couldn't yeah. figure it out. Was that like hanging out with him? Him and I are, we're just there to fly some toy helicopters. Yeah, well, then you know I wanted to. I, Daryl was saying, hey, man, come on, you guys got to fly some of these other classes. And I said, well, Daryl, all I've got is just my practice model, which is that one up there. Yeah. At uh, 222. And he said, yeah, yeah, that'll work. That, we can get that in there. I said, all right, I'll do it. He said, well, you got to find a pilot to fly it. So I said, that's not a problem. I'll go to my buddy Wayne Mann. Wayne says, quote, I ain't flying that piece of shit. That's <laughs> like, what? I know it's really not that pretty, Wayne, but, you know, you just, well, this is fun. That's Come all on, it is. Man. There's no money in this. You know, we're not going to win nothing anyway. So he said, oh, I ain't flying it. That's it. I said, well, you're a really good friend. Yeah. And he said, well, that's the way it is. I went, okay. So then he says, why don't you get your buddy Nick to do it? And I said, that's a great idea. Hmm. So I went over and I said, hey, Nick, do you fly this thing? He said, yeah, man, that'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> His first round, okay, we have to do three rounds. I think we did two or three. First round, a man had never picked up the model in his life. Oh, wow. Was that Zabo or somebody? It's, uh, it's Alan Zabo Jr. in uh, Rotary Modeler, March, April 2009. Oh, okay. Tons of that stuff. You yeah. used, used to write for uh, Rotary Modeler, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Man, I wish I'd started the stupid helis when I did the cars. Yeah, so. Damn. Nick and I went out there, and, you know, it's like, okay. So, he had never flown retracts. <laughs> oh, crap, where's the switch? <laughs> yeah, so. Throw a hole. You know, I said, I said, you got retracts on here. I said, but don't hit that switch until you get off the ground. So, of course, he didn't. And he got up, and I said, all right, you can hit that switch now. And so he hit it, and off he went. And we had a sequence of um, maneuvers he had to do. So he did the maneuvers, and he's coming back in for his landing. <laughs> and he's coming in, he's coming in, he's coming in. I said, hey, Nick, don't forget the retracts. 
So just before he touched the ground, he hit the retracts. Because they're quick. Yep, they're down. Yeah. And he landed. And it's like the crowd went nuts. So then, uh, what's that guy that runs Urcha? Charles Anderson. Charles said, hey, man, could we, on your next round, could we play the theme of Blue Thunder? Remember uh, that? No, it was actually Airwolf. He did the Airwolf theme. Whatever. Yeah. He, he had something going on. Yeah. He, he cut a Bluetooth speaker out and put Airwolf on behind, behind remember, Bob remember and Nick. Yeah. And we were all, in behind the judges, and we were all just, we were all giggling in the background, like. <laughs> it was yes. just. And it was fun. Nerd now. And then we won. I was like, what? I said, Nick, you want this trophy? He says, no, Bob, it's your model. You go ahead and take it. I said, okay, I'll take it. And I was there it is on the wall over there. One with the... With the, the big stick yeah. on it with the, with the cyclic yeah, stick. First place. Yeah, that's a... Daryl made that. Yeah, that's the first year provisional team scale. Yes. That was the first year for the professional year. team scale, yeah. First year. Really? Uh, Are you on a team scale? <laughs> we should. Come on. Hey, I've been wanting to build a model. You've, you've flown that model, if I remember right, haven't you, Mike? Did I have flown. I've flown that Bell 222. That's a sweetheart. You you love it. You got a, you got a different... How many glitches is too much? Uh, you're a nice... Uh, yeah, my scale height, that thing flies like one of my 3D birds and you pick it up off the ground and it sits there. That's what I'm used to. Uh, last time I flew it, I, I would still bring helis back uh, backwards to myself. And one thing I've noticed about the Bell 222 is it doesn't like... No, it balloons when flying backwards forward. because of the huge tilt and everything. With the huge amount of belly it has, it just puts well, itself right in the wind. That's a cheapo gyro in there, so. Well, the tail held, but it just yeah. has a tendency to lift itself up on elevator. But, you know, it's a scale model, so it, it's great flying all the scale maneuvers. Yes. I mean, you can find anything better than that. So that was my practice machine. <laughs> yeah, because I remember, yeah, you brought that, you got that. Uh, sometime in 2014, I remember we brought it out a few times, had some fun with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got there flying it, and then oh, you yeah, got out can, and do a I can make that bad boy work. <laughs> but, you know, most of the flying I do with models like that is three feet off the ground. Yeah. Yeah. I can make it work, man. When I'm down there yeah. and ground effect, boy. We, we need to get that big robot out there, the one where I reinforced everything so you can loop and roll the sucker. Yeah. <laughs> you got to bring that to scale. Are there any of the scale maneuvers that allow you to actually do rolls? Yes. Yes. Are? Yes. Oh. Scale today. I mean, they're doing loops and rolls with full well, size. Well, I mean, you've got that. Full size aircraft now. So. Yeah, why not? Yeah, there, was right? a guy, there was a guy at Nats last year. He had a the scale version of the BO, BO-105. Did he have the logo mod? Because that thing it was It was monster branded. You know, like, the, instead of Red Bull. Because well, I got that one scale fuse for a logo that it's literally still a 3D heli. Inside. Oh, oh, you're talking about, the, okay, the, the MD-500. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's MD-500 in a logo nah, This Roban thing's a full-on, you know, asymmetrical airfoils and everything. Oh, no, this, this airframe was custom designed yeah, and everything. Around. Getting close. Uh, I think cr- really close out is um, uh, you mentioned uh, we were asking how long does it usually take for you to complete a scale model. You said one to two years. One year on fuselage or a year and six months on fuselage? Well, you know, depends, I, start, right? I start with the fuselage and mechanics. Yeah. I get it flying and then I go to scale. Mm. So that can be, that can be, you know, depends on the model. How well it, I haven't yet had a model that fit in a fuselage. <laughs> so, or the mechanics. Yeah. So I actually had to redo all the mechanics to get it in the fuselage. That blue thunder, that was the worst one yet. I mean, that was terrible. And then overheating was a major problem in scale. 
It still is today. So if they're running nitro, you, you, well, yeah, nitro, electric, obviously. Everyone's running yeah, electric. No yeah. I, I, you know what? I don't see. I'm, I I was going to buy a new engine for that and a few other things. And man, it's hard to find a nitro engine now. Well, you know, your options are basically you want a YS60 or 55. That's it. No one else makes them. Um, and really, I would just say buy the OS. Yeah, the, the, with, the, with the recent things with Hobbyco and Fataba, and of course OS being connected with Fataba, I think right now... Oh, the supply chain is completely whacked. Uh, right now, Horizon still sells the OS 55 engine, yeah. and then you can get them, of course, more for Yeah, I because mean, uh, when I went to Florida... It's, it's well, weird. Power still sells them. Because yeah. when I went to Florida with Neil in April, was right after that merger... I was like, you know what? There's a hobby shop in Florida. Let's go check it out. They're usually good. And it was a nice joint. But I went in there and I'm thinking, well, I drove out here. I might as well get something, right? Typical hobbyist. You know, I go there, I got to buy crap. I go in there and ask, I got any OS8s? And they're like, don't be shocked if you don't have any. I'm cool with it because I know. And he goes back and says, man, we haven't had those things for three months. And the back order says five. Mm. Well, he's going home empty-handed. So the other thing is, um, you know, for we question for listeners is uh, if you're interested in building a scale model, uh, some tips. I see you said find a full size. Yeah. Um, yeah. Certainly, you need you need a model to model it. <laughs> so it's always good if you're in a location where you you might have a medevac like I did with, with Nightingale. The Nightingale. Um, I could run down and and, and do a photo shoot. Yeah. And that's the key. Then you could you can go to the manufacturer or um, to a um, if it's military you can go to a military base and get um, all the all of the um, uh, detail shots. Well, not the tech, all, all the tech information. So, for example, the OH twenty three up there. Yeah, I got from Fort Rucker. Okay. And we have Fort Eustis right close to here. Yeah. So Fort Eustis had one. Mm. So I went down to Fort Eustis and physically measured everything. Oh, okay. Made my own drawings. Yeah. And then um, I sent down or called down to Fort Rucker. I went to school for Rucker. Yeah. And that's aviation school for helicopters. And uh, they were at their at their um, aviation museum. And they were kind enough to send me a disc with okay. all the tech stuff. So I've got oh, that. Right so you got here. the maintenance manual for that helicopter. Yeah, it's all maintenance. Stuff. Hey. So wow. it, it gives you all the dimensions of everything, weights, I mean, everything. So that's how I built that helicopter. That helicopter, that's not fiberglass. Metal. Sheet metal, isn't it? Wood. Wood? All wood. Wood. It's one, get wow. this now, it's one sixty-fourth plywood laminated one after another after another. <laughs> oh, jeez. Can you believe that? We'll take a pass. <laughs> <laughs> wow. The tail boom itself. Now, I am, I, as far as I know, that's the only flying OH-23 in the world. I don't think there's another one, but there could be. I've never seen another one. The problem uh, was seen, seen one. the problem was is getting that tail rotor drive shaft That's and the drive going down the tailboat. See, it's all crooked. It's no. That's not a straight drive like you have on the OH thirteen. Okay. 
You know, that's a nice straight drive, no problem. Yeah. And most of our model, all straight drive. Well, you see all the, all the directions that it's in? Yeah, more like joints. 20 degrees down, 20 degrees or 30 degrees or 40 degrees up, and then going all the way back to the tailroad gearbox. <clears throat> I had to make all those gearboxes. And I had to make the entire drive system. Those are all ball bearings that that shaft is running on. The, the two, two fittings on each end of the main drive shaft is off of, uh, model cars, which is called CV joints. Yep. Mm -hmm. So they're like a universal joint, but high end. And that's what's on the front and back part of that. And I would guess if somebody else did exactly what I did, they could build that model. But I had no guidelines. I had to do it all myself. The exhaust system is all scale, and it is a working exhaust system. All that is handmade, and the exhaust comes out of the exhaust like it should, but nobody knows that, and it's pretty loud. There's a, a G26 inside of there, hmm. which is a gas motor which basically is the whole mainframe of that, what you see that blue? Yeah. That's just a little piece of sheet metal cowling that's oh, covering the engine. Yeah. The engine is the main part of the whole thing. It's just an engine with a bunch of plywood around it. <laughs> you know? An engine with a main shaft. Yeah. <laughs> but um, building that was quite a task. Building the bubble was another task. I had to get somebody to form that bubble. So if you look down by your feet, look down by your feet there. You yeah. see that see that bubble? Yeah. Okay. What that is is that's that's the mold that I had that I made to draw that to draw that um, plastic on. And you can see what happened. They 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 were crinkling up on me. Oh so yeah. I had a hard time with it. But that's a series of wood, and what I did there was I made that up, and I, I got a hole in the back of it that that uh, I put a put a stick in. Uh, yep. Not just that. This top half. I got a bottom half too. Look um, how heavy that is, man! It is heavy. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. yeah. That's all out of one inch pine, and all glued together. And then I set it up with my belt sander. And hand sanded that whole thing down. Oh, Lord. Nope. <laughs> I've had to do that, but that. See, you would have loved to have 3D printing for all this scale crap. Just make it in CAD and print it out. Yeah, oh, well, you know, they got that C the 3D printers now that really I'd love to have. But I don't know. I think I'm done with that. Going on to trains. Yeah, you trains. say you say you play around with trains now these days, oh, and of course you're uh, finishing up the full full size ultralight number seven. Number seven's finished. Trains. We though. got it at the airport, <laughs> ready to put it together. Putting a wing on it. Yeah. And attach all of the uh, push rods and that sort of thing. Trains. We're busy thinking about when we get good weather for a flag day. He's talking about putting wings on planes to go flying. What's he doing? No, nothing. Just saying trains though. Oh, yeah. That's got to be the most old man thing you could have said, except I'm it's, moving to Florida. I'm looking, at all, I'm looking at train videos, I'm looking at all this train stuff, <laughs> and I can't get excited about it. Why is that? Exactly, it's trains. I don't know, but... It's I'm, all the scale. You I'm need, 79 years old, coming on 80, and I got to do something inside, and I'm a scale builder. 
So I'm going to build a scale model railroad. Yeah, you need to see pictures of guys machining stuff for trains. That's what I bet you need to see. Well, I got a machine shop in the other room. Yeah. Whole machine shop. If right. uh, if anyone wanted to get in contact with you, how's the best way? Done. Done. <laughs> Done. Perfect. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I'm old school. Yeah. So I really don't have, you know, I had my, I had my RC flight school. school yeah. I had that for 14 years. Yeah. I taught, a, oh, I taught people from all over the world. Yeah. People were coming from everywhere to my flight school because there isn't any. And I was teaching them how to minimum hover in a three-day class. Wow. But that's all I could get people to do. I mean, that was very difficult. And most of them, you know, made the grade. Some of them came for a week and, and went into some other uh, area of flying, like forward flight, circles yeah. in front of them. That's Patterns, it. yeah, yeah. But no 3D stuff. I am not a 3D guy. I've, I've planted too many models out in this field doing that stuff. <laughs> I put one in one time when the when the uh, beans were up, I, I, find that. I couldn't find it. <laughs> and I'm walking all over this field. And I'm going, I mean, there's 75 acres out there. So it's like, where? So a buddy of mine comes up and he says, did you lose another one? I said, yeah. <laughs> and so I said, I give up, man. So I'm walking in and I stepped on it. Oh. What a lucky piece that was. Otherwise, I would have ate it. Yeah. Yeah, there was, a, there was a, someone that we know at the, at the flying field who uh, wanted to see how um, how much force it would take to break his jet in half. Well, he does and, that regularly. Yeah, he does. And, of course, you know, the jet just, it wings fold up and it goes into the bean field. I mean, that, you, you hear Frank don't want to sell anything to him because exactly. it's a sentence. <laughs> so he finds the rest of the plane, but there's one wing. And to this day, we don't know if they were found, but bean's gone now and there's no wing out there. So Combine it. it yeah, yeah, most yeah. likely. Yeah. There's still a receiver in that wing. <laughs> well, I've done Was. a lot of things in this modeling business. Sure. Mostly, you know, started out with with airplanes and did a lot of competition with airplanes. A lot, of mostly local stuff. And then I got when I got into helicopters and finally was able to control one for a little bit, like Three the SS eighty one. That was quite a that was quite a challenge. Fly for about thirty seconds and then it would be. Somewhere else for, you know, the next 10 seconds or so. Was it glitched? Glitched me. And then back and forth, back and forth. And then when, when I went to the tangerine with it and Dieter Sluter came over and says, Bob, how did you stop making that glitching? And I said, well, a little NASA help. So my <laughs> NASA technical people helped me get the glitching out of that. That was one glitching. Every gear in it was brass. So you can imagine the RF that that thing was produced. It helps when you got an entire space agency to help you out with your modern toy, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> well, a lot of us started flying kind of illegally. Ninety-three. Uh, <laughs> okay. oh, oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah so you broadcast out of band. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you were. You were in a band. You're supposed to be. Oh, but I could buy it. <laughs> I could buy it, and I would put it in. But then when these guys would see me with it, they say, "I'm turning you into FCC." Uh, go ahead. Yeah, well, knock your socks off. What are they going to do? I'm flying a model on their frequency. Whoa, big deal. But, you know, guys that had passed that test were the only guys allowed to use it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, hey, man, it saved my model. So I started putting that in there. 
Now, the number of FPV people that are all over 2.4 and 5.8, don't take that test. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's. Well, it hasn't become a problem. 10 to, t- 10 to 20 times worse now with, with use of frequency and what yeah. search you should have. As long as it doesn't become a problem. So. You make it a problem, it's government. Hey, man, it used to be it's that we were on the same frequency as uh, CB radios. Oh, yep. God. Oh, yeah. So as soon as somebody would Key open up. up a mic and talk, crash. It's like, oh, man, somebody opened up a day going CB radio again. Digger. So, yeah, that's <laughs> the truth. Yeah, that's how I lost one model uh, at, that, at that likewise movie thing that I was doing. They had an intercom system on my frequency. Oh, uh, that they were talking out of the the help. Yeah. Back. We're talking about a pile of people in the, the movie business. I mean, we're talking. I couldn't tell you how many people were on the set all the time, and I'd see people from the movies coming in. They never say anything to me, except for one guy. One guy comes over. It's this big, huge guy in this really nice suit. And he says, my boss wants to talk to you. And I went, uh, uh, who's your boss? It's that guy over there in a white suit. Said, okay, I'll talk to him. Like, yeah, what's... So I go in and I talk to this guy and he says, he says, um, I've got a son that's got a birthday coming up this week. And he says, Would you, could you teach him how to fly these things? And I said, yeah, I can teach him. Um, well, all right, here's the deal. I'd like to have two of those models like that one by oh. by this weekend, and you can bring me the models, and we'll and I'll take you in my Lear to my house. <laughs> and I said, "Your Lear?" He said, "Yeah, yeah, my, my airplane." And I went, "Really? You're going to take me? To, yeah, I'll put you in the airplane. It's my son's birthday. I want him to have these models this weekend." And I'm thinking, "How am I going to make two models?" So I go to back to my hobby shop, and I get everybody all up. I move out to two miles by the end of the week. Couldn't do it. it couldn't, just couldn't do it. It was like the middle of the week or something. So I went back, and I, I wouldn't, couldn't talk to this guy personally. He had to get this big guy, this bodyguard. Yeah. So I talked to him. I said, I need to talk to your boss. Okay. So he made a point. I said, listen, I'll teach your son. You know, whatever it takes... I'm looking at, man, this is great. Huh? He's going to really do me good. Uh, he said, but what, what, can I have the models? And I said, it's going to take me a little longer to build the models. No, nope, I got to have them by this weekend. Bye-bye. And that guy said, move on. So I moved on. I never wow. spoke another word to the guy. And it's like, man, some of these guys with money, you know, all, they, they want what they want when they want it. And if they can't get it, they do something else. And I was out. I was that was it. I was out. So yeah. it's like, man. I thought, boy, I've run into sugar daddy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm gonna get me some stuff now. All right, later. Wow. that's it. All right, thank you, Bob. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh-huh. I'm glad you got this before old Bob exits the planet. No, uh, something tells me you're going to be beating us up for well, more years I'm, to come. I'm hoping 20 years. I'm looking at maybe 10, but if I can get away with five or six of them, I'll be in good shape. <laughs> well, see, now we're going to have to come back maybe next year or something like that and talk about trains. 
Gotcha. You can do that on your own train <laughs> podcast, Tony. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he says this video is going to train circling his Christmas tree. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it does, this train's yeah. going to circle his room. It was a good interview. I uh, hope you all enjoyed it. And, um, you know, last but not least, usually cover some topics we do on closeout. Uh, one is we have the link on the Telerotor Facebook page for 2019 events. So if they've been sanctioned or I've talked to the CDs personally, I've been trying to get dates up there for events I know I'll go to or some of us we will be going to. Um, if, you want, if you want to get an event on our on the calendar so that uh, if it's within distance, we can go to it or I can put in the list of events that we're not going to, but we'd like to publicize, email us or hit us on Facebook so we can uh, get that on the calendar for y'all. Uh, that's events. That's it. I mean, what's the next event coming up? Shit. <laughs> I, unless it's unless it's some other winter events I'm not aware of. I guess the first one would be is uh, the Hawk Fest and the Spring Fling, but that'd be the Spring Fling, right? Spring Fling is the first I know of. Isn't there going to be a, a Super Bowl again? RCHO? The Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is the fall. No, that was... that was, that was Oh, you're talking about their summer event that usually no, runs in June. Spring. They had one in April. April 20th, remember? 420, last year. Oh, 420. Of course it's on 420. Nice. <laughs> it was last year. Oh, so, oh, so perfect. 420. <laughs> oh, shit. 420's on a Saturday this year. It was on a Saturday last year. No, Friday. it was Friday last year. Oh, God. Please tell me they're doing that again. There's nothing on the, there's nothing on the calendar and I haven't seen anything. Talking to Chris right now. We're sending it. If you want to want to reach out. Well, no. I think you got to talk to Rick. Rick. The man. Yeah, Rick. The man formerly known as Raptor Rick. Yes, formally. The man who's now known as I Miss My Raptor, Rick. I mean, it was a good heli. <laughs> yeah. Now, at this point, the first event we have coming up is a May of Springfling. And Huckfest is for plankers, so enjoy. It's going to be a 3D plane event, and I've never been to one of these, so. Which just means they're going to be aiming at the fish in the barrel who are in the pits. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I've I've heard things of 3D plane events that they are as bad or worse than 3D heli events in terms of how rowdy it can get. So uh, you can't push them out onto the runway because they need all that space to land. Yeah, and they're and they're all well. Basically, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be hearing the phrase "Harrier landing" or "No balls" quite a few times. Yeah. So no, right now on the calendar is uh, heli spring fling, dragonfly. Mid-Atlantic Heli Championships, uh, AMA Heli Nats, yeah. Urcha Jamboree, Fall Heli Modown, and Heli Extravaganza. I've Those ones are either officially sanctioned or they have their dates published. Or in the case like Dragonfly, I talked to their CD and he's got the dates approved by club, so he should be sanctioning it soon. So I got nothing else to say, but booyah! Peace out. See you on the field. See you guys later. I so want to fly the machine again and nearly crash it. Thank you everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode as we enjoyed taking the time to make them. If you have any questions regarding the show, such as future topics, events, or anything else, 
can send us an email at telerotor at gmail.com or on Facebook, search Telerotor. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the field. Welcome to the bloopers for this episode. We recommend you listen to them in private as the audio is loud and the subject matter a bit sophomoric. Enjoy. So yeah, so it's who who had it? Justin, it's the one he ordered a while ago and he's been Oh yeah. Taking Did his you time fly? with. Oh yeah, he flew it twice. Nice. Did you fly? Did I fly it? I took the sticks for a minute. He's talking yeah. about f- planes. I yeah. don't care. Cancel this podcast. It's all he f- talks about is goddamn planes. <laughs> There's nothing new going on in helis besides I'm learning more heli stuff. That's it's about it. I mean, what else is there? I mean, it's like I did more pyro loops. Keep talking about planes, you f- planker. You're recording, right? I'm recording, yeah. Good. <laughs> Put this in the f- outtakes, goddamn f- planker. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I did some pyro loops. I did some TikToks. It was some shit happened. And it flew today. It's about it. Blank. <laughs> I'm bored with helis. I mastered them. I'm the best pilot in the world. So I fly planes now. <laughs> helis are more challenging. Still saying it. Paul, are you there? No, I'm still here. You didn't answer back if you read the question I put in the messenger chat. Oh, I gotta go look, look at that now. I gotta look at my phone. F*** <laughs> off. I'll just put it in Discord since you're such a stupid bitch. You don't have to there you go. Make me happy. Make my, make my bitch loins happy. You know what? I'm <laughs> happy by burning that motherfucker trailer down your goddamn sleep. Oh, oh, come on now. Wake up from that shit, you fucking white trash maniac. Jeez. Oh, yeah, baby. Jeez. Wait, wait, wait. Someone get me a tree so I can hang a motor from it. <laughs> and then I need to go get a boat so I can stick outside the back that just sits there. There, I think it's in Discord chat now. Yeah, yeah I'm looking at it in both places now. Goddamn. So you just pulled out a knife. He's gonna go after me with that. I got knives. You can have a knife off. It'd be great. You never walk away from a knife fight without a knife cut. It's great. Fantastic. <laughs> whipping out knives. Jabbing on your table. I'll cut that hole in the center of the table now. <laughs> we were going to melt the hole there. I think Shaggy needs a haircut, Robert. You should oblige him. No. Give him a trim! Yeah, I was about to start sending Steve and... Sh- and uh, Casey, uh, c- uh, C-17 crashes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, it almost died today. Oh, my God. Talk talk about a maiden that looked like the spitting image of shit you see on YouTube. <laughs> oh, my God. So, he's, he's taxing this thing around. I guess this this might be a good bloopers reel, then, because it's going to be good. So, he's taxing this thing around, and... Uh, I mean, it reads kind of like a Bob Harris story where he's like, oh, yeah, I just went out to mess with this thing and test a couple things. And on the second way, he's taxing back. The bastard gets light on the wheels and he's just like, you know what? Send it. And, and Steve throttles up and goes for it. And uh, he gets the thing in the air, takes off nice and smooth. And then it the, uh, goes like every other maiden and he almost smashes it. It nosedived hard and then they pulled back hard and it nosedived again. And Justin and I are watching this the whole time. We're like, oh, my God. So, so the thing gets up in the air, and it's it's a big plane. You have to fly at scale. Like, like I know they're scale planes, but they still have a lot of power. This thing has weight. 
and it kind of flies. It's like a fifteen-year-old plane. Oh yeah, it's right on the waiver limit. It's not. So the thing is, this thing gets up in the air, and it's like a big plane where you can be moving, and it has enough air to stay in the air, but you have zero control authority. <laughs> so it's spooky. There's this spot where this thing will be moving along. And you've got no control over it whatsoever. So Steve wow. got the thing up there and he's trying to trim it and do all this other stuff. And I, I think one of the motors was not quite in sync. So it's all over the place. And he got it over towards near Casey's house. And then he couldn't figure out which way it was pointing. He's like, I don't really see it anymore because it was over towards the sun. So Justin and I and Casey and the rest of us were all shouting at him which way it is. So he gets it back. And at this point, he's like, you know what? I'm going to stop trying to mess with it. I'm just going to land it. So he brings it around for the first attempt. And this is when he, I think he really realized that you have to have airspeed to have any control with it. It's like a, like a, um, like a jet ski, right? You know, you have to use a lot of throttle to, to point yourself around. So there's a whole bunch of Boy Scouts and shit at the field right now, right? Oh, that's I've got right. a lot of neighbors and they're all coming out to watch this thing. Cause Justin just made in his jet and, uh, it's kind of pointed at the field I don't, it didn't really cross the zero line, but for a hot minute there, it was pointed right at all of us at maybe 15 feet up. <laughs> and this sucker's huge. It's loud. It's got four motors, a bunch of Ginsu knives on the front of it, right? <laughs> somebody yells out, heads up, and I've never seen so many people run back to the pits in my life. Woo! It's where they belong. Oh, man. Yeah, just after that, Justin and I are like pulling our planes back to like hide them behind something metal for try number two. <laughs> oh man hey guy he, he, he figured it out though and it landed fine but in the pits where you go to get killed by planes kind of like fish in a barrel oh you're right I'm thinking carports yeah I mean it's a big plane but you figure you know it hits that carport it's gonna be like a, the, the 747 that crashed into the pentagon it's just gonna swiss cheese it yeah you hope anyway and Monty you're gonna have to sit up a little bit more just no being... the mic's right in my face I'm talking right at it I'm god looking, damn it i'm looking what your voice looks like and it's it looks quieter like, than yours yes of course it is because you're deep throating your own yeti i'm like a foot away dude that's a big thing to deep throw you sure you can handle that you gotta be like a porn star to handle that <laughs> dude we don't know what his we don't know what his personal life is like and he's deep throating this thing so i've got no oh, questions shut up. i'm i mean i'm not gonna judge but okay go for it just, just send me a picture because I want to be able to prove to people that it happened. <laughs> You're the one that humps your own freaking microwave. He does what? My what? My microwave? Yeah. yeah about that last was time. proved in the last one. Remember, you don't get cancer. Are we talking about the convection heater? Or convection oven? No, you, you hump. We got in the conversation. You hump your microwave. <laughs> microwave. You won't get cancer in your dick because of it because it's got a Faraday cage. He's not going to remember because he doesn't oh. listen to the episodes. Oh, yeah. No, I said you could hump a microwave and you won't get cancer. Yeah. You said you were going to hump <laughs> yours. I did say that. And your refrigerator and your, all your appliances. Was I? And there won't be any repercussions except burrs. Was I awake when I said that? Yeah, well, yeah. You said it. It's recorded. You're awake. I can play right over the mic. Yeah, I think I must have been completely tired or something. Yeah, because Mike, Mike gets the wonderfulness of not actually... Listen. Having to listen to an episode four times. Yes. And, uh...
that question was using a computer as quietly as I can. Yeah. Well, most likely this is going to be cut out, so. Uh, this exact section, at least. Uh, you can stick this in the bloopers. Damn. Shit, I'm not on the internet. <laughs> What's your password again? It's, it, it's funny. <laughs> your computer hooked up without issue. This is good stuff. Nice. I know. I'm the one without problems today. Hell yes. Yeah, we started you early. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Three hours early. <laughs> and that's actually not a lie. Uh, where'd you go, Mike? Oh, I'm still here. Cactus just his body. I'm in a field. <laughs> <laughs> it's Sprint in the country. It's going to be bad. It's it's Sprint. It's going to be bad. <laughs> yeah, let's just cut the crap and go right to that. That man's ultralight story. I hope we caught a couple of those. No, we didn't. We didn't get no. into many of them. Oh no! Hey, we'll be back. It's a good story when you almost die almost every single time. <laughs> no, it's a good story when you crash in the field. The cops don't know what to do. The FAA shows up, asks anyone dead. They say no, and they just leave. There's no problem here. Yep. Well, the cops showed him. Cops called the FAA. They show up because his buddy crashed the ultralight into the tree in front of his barn. So, the cops are freaking out because they already don't like them because the, the neighbors have called. So, the FAA shows up and they basically just asked, oh, well, okay, that's an experimental light sport. It's an ultralight, so we don't really care. Uh, anyone hurt? No no property besides this is damaged? All right, cool. We, we don't care. We're leaving. Bye. Jeez. Oh, and the cops are all pissed off. That's pretty funny. Uh, let's be honest. When you get called to do a job and it's something you can't <laughs> easily get over with and you're sitting there waiting for the FAA... You get pissed too. And they show up and they're basically just like, nah. Nah. They don't care. No problems. And they leave. (laughs) There's a plane in the tree. Eh, it doesn't concern us. So the plane was inside the tree. (laughs) All that's left is is the nose cone on the front of his workshop. And all that's left is the RC version of it. Which he says flies like shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, you should peel the B-Stex and JR sticker off your laptop. Uh, <laughs> Probably Edge. He's one of those guys that put stickers all over his laptop. The big line that's written across probably should do that, You too. know, the best part is his Freefall RC I sticker. I probably should get rid of that, too. Yes. Uh, you should keep that one. Traitor. Best sticker on here is a, cy- is a Cyclone one. 99 problem, but the pitch ain't one. Yes! You know, I never actually had a set of those that were mine. <laughs> it's unfortunate. I've got 600s, man. I got 615s. The number of times that Tim tried to give me a set, I couldn't say yes. Wow. You, you, you I sucked. wanted to. You lucked out on that deal. Hey, though, he gave me a hat, though. <laughs> yeah, this is one of the best hats I ever had. He gave me another one, too, because I wore the old one out. Yeah, I think he left a hat at your mom's house, too, after he was there overnight. Oh, God, the amount of jokes that we've made. <laughs> Wait, that was a thing? Yes. <laughs> the amount of jokes we've made over the fact that uh, my mom decided to f*** with him. <laughs> he had one of our... Hel- I think he went silent over his PTSD over these jokes. <laughs> <laughs> the flashback. The memories. Mom? <laughs> no, mom decided to mess with him and actually... Uh, Got one of Casey's friends to walk over there and, and, and tell him she thought his dimples were cute. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was laughing pretty hard. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was funny shit. 
your mom's pretty pretty hardcore then. Oh, that was the thing is mom came down here for that one uh, helifun fly and her and dad have beers out and she's up there saying it's like, what the hell? Why is it so dead? I thought this was supposed to be about a party you sold me on. <laughs> I was like, wow, shit, mom's a player. This will be a two hour episode. Just about. Yeah, easily. Hey, BKRC podcast, we're longer than you. <laughs> guess what? Guess what people like longer? Women. <laughs> Christ. You know, he's not going to listen to that because he's not going to make it this far. Maybe someone will tell him. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if you listen to their show, they're giving out... Uh, what? Coupon codes. Oh. One time use. Uh, they're not telling you what they're for. Oh. First to use it, gets to use it. Oh, dang. So... If you want to find a discount in the BK Switch SAB store, be first to listen to their episodes. I think they drop on Wednesdays. <laughs>